Well, this morning we're continuing in our series that we've been in the last few weeks called One Another, where we are looking at different biblical commands of things we are to do to or for one another in the midst of the family of God. And now, in your family growing up, you might have had some of these kind of rules, uh, commandments. In my house, when I was young, you know, we had one computer for the whole family, one internet line, no smartphones or anything. And so one of our rules was you need to share the computer with one another. Maybe in your house, you have the rule, hey, don't provoke one another, okay? Or, you know what, hey, when you wrong somebody, you need to say you're sorry to one another. And it's similar in the family of God. The reason we have these commandments is so that we would live as a healthy family together, so that we would be a loving and a Christ-filled witness to the world. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Jesus tells us we are to love one another as he's loved us. Last week, we talked about how we are to encourage one another. And I even saw some people shouting out people on Facebook and encouraging them publicly. That was awesome to see. And this morning, we're going to talk about praying for one another. Praying for one another. And when I think about praying for one another in the church, I think about something that I'm very grateful for. At every church I've served and most churches I've been a part of, there has been a group Usually it's a small group. Usually the people trend a little older. And it is a group that goes by different names in different churches, but generally they are known as the prayer warriors, okay? Isn't that an intense name? But you know what I'm talking about, right? Maybe in your church growing up, you had that group. Maybe it was old women. They came together, all five of them in the prayer meeting on Wednesday night. They were the prayer warriors. And in my last church, I remember one of my first Sundays, an older man walked into my office before I was getting ready to preach my first sermon, and he said, Pastor, we're praying for you. And you knew he was serious, right? He was like, when he said he was praying for you, you knew it was serious, and he had a notebook. And he said, this notebook is full of prayers over the years, and we are praying them over you. And every service, during the service, there was a little corner in a back office. There were people praying for the worship service, during the service, every service. And it was such an encouragement to know that when I got up and I was preaching that people were praying for me in that very moment. It was awesome. And then I got to Harvest Point and one of my first meetings was with Mrs. Pushpa Danes. Raise your hand, Pushpa. She doesn't like to be the center of attention, but she said, look, I, I'm the leader of the prayer ministry here, the prayer team. And she began to tell me about some of her vision, some of her dreams, for the prayer team at our church, our 24 hours of prayer, and how they pray every Sunday for our church at about 9.30 a.m. And even through the pandemic, they prayed together on conference call every Sunday morning before the live stream. And they continue to do that. And so if you're interested in, in becoming a part of the prayer team and joining them in prayer at 9.30, see Pushpa, she will get you connected. And they pray on a regular basis, and it is a huge encouragement to me. They pray for me. They pray for you on Sunday mornings. They pray for people who have never stepped foot into our church, and they pray that when they come in these doors that they would feel the Spirit of God move in their hearts and that they would be overwhelmed with love. They pray regularly. Can we celebrate them and encourage our, our prayer team? It is an awesome gift. And sometimes we have little kids join us in there. I, I try to join in there when I can. And it is such an encouragement. And there's a group of prayer warriors in my life that is a pastor throughout many seasons. They're from my home church growing up. And I know 
If I'm in desperate need of prayer, I, I go to them. It's like escalating my prayers. I go right to them. And so the last time I did it was when I was diagnosed with COVID and immediately I sent them a text. I said, hey, pray for my health. And then I said, I need you to pray for a miracle. I need a guest preacher for Christmas Eve and it's the week of Christmas Eve and most preachers are booked up. And they prayed and thankfully my health was good and thankfully we had an awesome guest preacher, Nelson Furtado on Christmas Eve who did an amazing job. And it's, it's encouraging to know that when you are facing the battles of life, the highs and the lows, it's great to know that there is a group of warriors praying for you. And I want you to know that, that there is a group of people here, our prayer team, praying for you on a regular basis. And I truly believe that there are blessings that have happened in our church and there are breakthroughs that have happened because of the prayers that have been prayed for our church. And so it's a great encouragement but I haven't, I haven't shared this with Pushba, but I want to I address it this morning. That in every church I've served with these prayer teams, there's one problem that happens over time in the church. And the problem is that as the prayer team is praying and people begin going to them for prayer and looking up to them, what happens is that people begin to believe that praying for others, that intercessory prayer, that's praying on the behalf of others, they begin to believe the lie that praying for others is for the spiritually elite. And they think, you know what, that's something that's for the prayer team to do. And so what happens is somebody will come to you with a prayer request and say, hey, would you pray for my friends and my family? And people are like, no, 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 hold on. You don't want my prayers. You need the prayers of the prayer team. And we begin to outsource our prayer life. Or somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, would you pray for my coworker? It's kind of struggling and you think, you know what? My prayers really aren't that powerful. Like, and, and so you don't really, you don't really pray for it because you think, you know, my prayers aren't like their prayers. Or, or somebody comes to you and asks you for prayer and you think, you know, I don't really know what to pray. I'm not eloquent in my prayers like, like Pushpa and the prayer team. We begin to believe this lie that prayer is for the spiritually Elite, but I know Pushpa would agree with me this morning. I know every prayer warrior I've ever met in my life would agree with me this morning. And they would want to tell you this, that prayer for other people isn't for the elite. Prayer for other people is for everyone. It's God's calling for each and every one of us in the body of Christ. We are called, we are commanded to pray for one another. And we see this time and time again in Scripture. Jesus, if you think about it, when he gives us the Lord's Prayer and he's teaching us how to pray, give us this day our daily bread. It's a communal prayer. It's praying for other people. Paul, when he's giving instructions regarding worship to young Timothy, says this, I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And so he says, what's good and pleases God our Savior? Praying for other people. Intercessory prayer, particularly for those in authority. That's why we're called to pray for the president, for our governor, for leaders in the church, for leaders in our world. We are commanded to do that in Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, Paul, writing to the church, just before he requests prayers for himself, while he is in chains, he says this, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. That could be the summary of the sermon right there. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And there's James, the brother of Jesus, writing to a church facing a lot of persecution and difficulties. James chapter 5, he says, he says this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. There is another one another statement. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Pray for one another. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And I know what some of you are thinking right now with that verse. You're thinking, yeah, that's why I outsource my prayers, because I'm not that righteous of a person. I want my prayers to be prayed by very righteous people, because their prayers are powerful, and, you know, my prayers are kind of mediocre. And I love what Pete, Pete Gregg, who is a founder of what's known as the 24-7 prayer movement, around the year 2000, he and a group of people in, in the U.K. started praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they set up a prayer room. And now there are prayer rooms all over the world that are praying 24 hours a day, seven days a week, intercessory prayers for people all over the world. And Pete Gregg, reflecting on this verse, he says, yes, there are people who are more spiritually mature than we are. We know that. There are people who have been walking with God and talking with God and listening to God for a very long time. But, but here in this verse, it says this. It says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And what I want to remind you of this morning is that if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have trusted in him, there has been an exchange. And that is your unrighteousness has been exchanged for Jesus' righteousness. Paul says that we are clothed in the righteousness of Christ when we believe in him. And so the theological term for that is it has been imputed to us. It has been credited to us and it has been imparted to us. It has been given to us. And so we are viewed by God as righteous. And so if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this verse is about you. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's your prayers. That's my prayers. And we see the power of prayer at work in a story in the Old Testament of who I would call the original prayer warrior. I don't, I don't know where the term comes from. Somebody can, can send it to me. But, but I think the original prayer warrior in the Bible is probably Moses. Exodus chapter 17 they're in a battle, the Israelites and the Amalekites. And, you know, Moses, 
he doesn't go out front in battle. Instead, he does something kind of interesting, maybe a little unexpected. Instead, he sends Joshua to the front of the battle, and he says, I'm going to stay back. And in Exodus 17, verse 9, we read this. Moses says to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. A lot of scholars believe here what's happening with the raising of hands is that that was a posture of prayer. So Moses, when he is, has his hands raised and he's praying, when he's interceding on behalf of God's people, we see that they are winning in the battle. And when he lowers his hands, they begin to lose. And so Joshua is fighting this physical battle on the ground, leading the Israelites. Moses is in the background with his hands raised, fighting a spiritual battle. And over time, he grew tired. Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. And so Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. There's a question that comes up at the end of the story. And that is, could God have chosen to work on behalf of the Israelites without the prayers of Moses? What do you think? Yeah, could have. God could have chosen to work in that way, but what we see here in the passage is that when Moses interceded, God intervened. When Moses interceded, God intervened. And so when we think about our own lives, can God work in other people's lives and in our world without our prayers? Certainly. God can do whatever he wants. But what we find time and time again in Scripture is that God has chosen to work in partnership with us primarily through prayer. God has chosen to work in partnership with us through our prayers. And now does that mean that every prayer you pray is going to get answered in the exact way you worded it in the exact time frame that you asked for? If you've been praying for a long time, you know the answer to that. No, that doesn't mean that. God is not a cosmic vending machine that you can just go and punch the button and get whatever you want. Prayer is not some formula that we figure out and then we can get exactly what we want when we want. Prayer is a means of relationship with God, of talking with God. And there is a lot of mystery in prayer, and I, I, I can't answer all the questions this morning about unanswered prayer. But what we see time and time again in the Scriptures, when God's people pray, God intervenes. And I once heard a great prayer warrior say this, He said, in my church, when we prayed for no one to be healed, no one was healed. And when we began praying for people to be healed, some people were healed. And that's not very sophisticated, but I found it to be true in my own ministry. In the early church, they knew 
They, they knew about this partnership that God desired for people through prayer, and so they prayed constantly and on a regular basis. If you think about Acts chapter 1, before the day of Pentecost, what are the people doing? They're waiting, and they're not waiting passively. How are they waiting? They're waiting in prayer. They're praying, and then the Holy Spirit falls upon the church. Then when they need leaders in the church, what do they do? There's, there's a crisis of leadership. So they pray, and they say, God, would you guide us? When Peter is in prison, they pray, and they say, God, would you release him? And he is released. They say, God, would your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? They pray for signs and miracles and wonders, and guess what? They begin to see them. When there's persecution, they pray for boldness. God gives them boldness and expands their ministry. We see that the early church, no matter what the situation was, was. Whatever came their way, they prayed and they saw the power of God at work in mighty ways. And church, I want to tell you this morning, I believe when we get serious about prayer and we begin praying for others, we will see God move in ways that perhaps we haven't seen him move in our church when we begin doing that. We will begin to see God's power at work in new and in fresh ways. And this week I was talking to a friend about praying for others. This is one of my, my prayer warrior friends and I was telling him about the sermon. I was asking, hey, you got any wisdom for this message? Because I feel like, you know, he's like spiritually elite to me and my prayers or whatever. But, you know, I went to him and said, hey, tell me, about, tell me about prayer. What's going on? What do you think about this passage? And he said, well, let me tell you a story about a, a, a shut-in at my church I visited recently. It's a woman who can't get out of her house much. This is a woman he tries to love, he tries to encourage, he prays for her, he tries to live out these one another commands with her. And so he went to her house and one of the one another commands, it's not going to make it in the sermon series, but it is admonish one another. It's correct or warn one another. And he as a young pastor, he had to admonish this, this shut-in in his church, which is a little awkward, right? When you're like 40 and you admonish somebody who's 85, but he had to. He did it lovingly and gently, but, but the shut-in, she began to tell him, she said, Pastor, it's been tough. The only places I drive these days are to the grocery store, to doctor's appointments, and to my mailbox to put my tithe check in the mail to the church. She's a very faithful woman. She said, I can't, I can't bake for ministry things like we used to do, giving cookies to the kids. I can't serve on any of the committees and leadership. I can't do the mission and outreach projects. I really can't even come to worship except maybe once a year when family members bring me. She said, Pastor, really, the only thing I can do anymore for our church is, well, all I can do is really just pray. And he said, just pray? Just pray. Lovingly, he had, to, he had to tell her, prayer is one of the most important things you can do for our church. Don't, don't say all you can do is just pray. Prayer isn't secondary work. It's not work in the background that, that it's for some people. Prayer is the primary work of the people of God. And he encouraged her. He said, keep praying for us. Your prayers are making a difference. And he reminded me that, you know what? If you're old, you can pray for our church. If you're young, who's the youngest person in the room this morning? Maybe four years old. How old are you? Seven, okay? If you're seven years old, 
You can pray. Who's the youngest over there? How old? Four. If you're four years old, you can pray for our church. Last night during dinner, we started eating dinner, and then my son halfway through, he can barely talk. He just did this. And he said, y'all forgot the blessing. And he reminded us that we needed to pray. If you can't work a computer, you can pray for our church. If, if you're good at TikTok, you can pray. If the only TikTok you know is the pacemaker, that's, you, that's a bad, that was a bad preacher joke. I've been waiting on that one, okay? Like, no matter whether you have resources and you're wealthy or you have nothing, you can pray. If you have a car or you don't have a car, you can pray. If your parents took your car away from you because you're on restriction, you can still pray. God desires for all of us as the church to pray for one another. And there is great power when God's people come together and pray. And so this morning, if maybe praying for other people is new for you, or you feel like you're not that good at it, or you always get distracted, or you don't know where to begin, I just want to give you a few quick tips. And the first one is this. Just start. Just start. You don't need to read a book on prayer before you begin. You don't need a seminar. You don't need a YouTube video on how to pray. Prayer is simply talking with God. And a lot of us are used to talking with God about ourselves. Intercessory prayer is simply talking to God about other people. And you can just start today. And actually, in just a few moments, we're going to give you time to pray for one another. Another opportunity, if you want to grow in this area, is to sign up for a time slot for 24 hours of prayer and just say, hey, for 30 minutes, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to pray for others. And now some people, when they begin to pray for others, they think, well, I don't even know what to pray for. One of the things you can do is you can just sit there and be still. And when a name or a situation pops into your mind, rather than seeing it as a distraction, you can simply say, you know what, God, I'm going to pray for this thing. I'm going to pray for these things in front of me. Another thing you can do when you're just starting is when someone asks you for prayer, rather than saying, I'll be praying for you, and then you never do. Anybody, anybody in here ever done that? You say you're going to pray for somebody and you don't? Rather than, than doing that, which is okay, God forgives you for that. Rather than doing that, you can just pray for the person right on the spot. Right after they tell you, you can get in your car and you can pray for them in that moment. Just start. Or, this is something I began doing in the last few years. If somebody mentions a prayer request, I just say, hey, would it be okay if I prayed for you right now? Pray for them in that moment. I've only had maybe one person in my life reject me for prayer when I ask if I could pray for them in that moment. You could pray silently. You could pray with them if you're comfortable doing that. Just, just start. Just start, and, and you will grow in confidence and maturity in your prayers as you pray. So that's one. Just start. The second is keep going. Praying for others. Keep going. Jesus, he told a few parables about perseverance in prayer because, because he knew a lot of times we get tired. Praying for breakthrough, praying for family members, praying for people who, who have run far from God and we, we think, God, are my prayers making any difference? These don't feel powerful. I don't, I don't know what's going on. And it's easy to give up in prayer. Even Moses, right, his hands got tired and he needed other people to come around him and support him and encourage him. And you need that too. 
Some seasons prayer is going to be easier. Some seasons prayer is going to be more difficult. Just keep going. One of the things that's helpful for me is to keep a prayer journal. It helps keep me focused. And each day I can write down who I'm praying for. And then later you can follow up on situations and you begin to have a record and you can see how God has been at work through your prayers. And when you find that God has answered a prayer, it's so encouraging. One of my prayer warrior mentors, my Sunday school teacher growing up, this is kind of country, but when somebody asked them to pray for him, he would get a penny and he would put it in his shoe. And he said, whenever that penny annoys the snot out of me, I'm reminded to pray for that person. You could do that. If you're a little more modern, you can set a reminder on your iPhone. I know some people set timers. And so they say, you know what, each day at 12 o'clock, I'm going to pray for our church or I'm going to pray for this, this person. You can set reminders to help remind you along the way to pray and to keep going. And the third thing is, is this, that when we're praying for others, I, I think it's important to ask good questions, to listen to their stories, see what they need prayer for. And so Jesus, one of my favorite questions he asks in the Gospels is when blind Bartimaeus comes to him, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? It's a question, when you... When you when you see somebody who's going through a difficult time in life, if you want to offer prayer for them, you can simply say this, what do you want Jesus to do for you? And then you can ask Jesus for those things on that person's behalf. You can also take it another level and you, you can think about this, what, what do you want Jesus to do in you? And you can pray for those things. Or what do you want Jesus to do through you? And you can lift those up to God in prayer. And this morning, I actually want you to think about, let's put the questions up there. I want you to think about these questions for your own life. What do you want Jesus to do for you? What do you want Jesus to do in you? What do you want Jesus to do through you? I want you to think about those because um, one of my principles is that we don't want to just talk about these things. We want to do these things. We want to live these out. And so um, I wanna, I'm going to invite Oscar up. I, I want us to take a few moments, maybe about five minutes, to pray for one another. It's what we're called to do. Pray for people in our church who are here this morning. Pray for, for the needs of people who aren't here. And so what I want to invite you to do, and I want you to engage at whatever level you're comfortable. We know it's COVID. This might be your first time here, and you're like, these people are already weird, and I'm never coming back, okay? We want you to engage at whatever level you're comfortable with. Um, but what we want to invite you to do for the next few minutes is reflect on these questions for yourself and then find one, two, three other people. Maybe it's, maybe it's your family you came with. Maybe it's a friend. Uh, maybe, maybe it's somebody you don't know and you just need prayer this morning. 
But what we want to invite you to do is gather together with a small group if you're comfortable doing that. Talk amongst yourselves for, for a couple minutes about these questions and about how you can pray for one another here and now today. And then just take a few minutes and pray for one another. If you're comfortable praying out loud, you can you can pray out loud for one another. If, if you'd rather, after talking about different prayer requests, go to your seat and pray silently in your seat for one another, you can do that. If, if you want to just kind of remain by yourself and, and pray for others by yourself, you can just bow your head and, and, and sit there and do that. But we want, we want to pray for one another. Here and now, because God's Word says the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. And I believe our prayers this morning have great power. So, um, in just a moment, I'm going to say go. And I invite you, you can, you can stand up, you can go around the room, you can just turn to the people around you. Take a few minutes, talk about these questions, talk about ways you can pray for one another. And then we invite you to simply pray together. And we'll come back together in a few minutes. And I'll, I'll just open us up here. Uh, God, thank you. Thank you for a family where we can come and feel loved and supported. Thank you that you desire to, to be active in our lives and hear what's on our hearts. And so in these moments ahead, we dedicate them to you. We pray that your Holy Spirit would meet us, guide us, and help us as we pray for one another. Amen. Amen. I invite you to take a few moments. Gather with a few other people. Pray for one another.
take just a few more moments, a few more moments to pray. this morning on the live stream who can't be with us for various reasons. God, these are our prayers for them. God, these are our prayers for our community, for our country, and for our nation. So God, we pray, we pray that you'd help us keep going, to keep persevering in prayer so that we can see your power and your love at work in our world. In Jesus' name, amen.